then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. All right, episode 18, Bruce, we're coming off of a very heavy, controversial episode. Last one, we talked about the disease. Man, we know we got some things stirring with that. Today, we're going to talk about the mask, and we're not talking about Jim Carrey, the movie. (laughs) (laughs) What what I mean by the mask, what we're going to talk about, guys, is this. Uh, So often, so many people put a mask on, meaning they're, they're acting a certain way, they're looking a certain way, they're saying certain things that's not truly them because they want to appear a certain way to people. So they're wearing a mask. Bruce, lead us in. Absolutely. I mean, I I can relate to this because I wore several. I mean, yeah. I think at one point my wife said that I had six personalities <laughs> in my addiction. And I believe it. And it's because I, I invested so much into these identities that I had created for myself to be accepted in certain circles uh, or by just people in general to sell myself in a certain way. Uh, that after a while, after a long period of time, even trying to manage these false uh, identities in myself or just aspects of my identity, that I even started believing some of them. And after a while, you end up defending it and uh, you get exposed because you, you don't do a good job keeping up with the lies. And man, the bottom line in all this is that you do that in order to find acceptance, in order to have a sense of belonging in order to feel like you have purpose. And these are fundamental characteristics of what God has created us and our longing for him that he fulfills. Yeah. And the root of it is that I don't feel good about myself. I'm not good enough. I know, and because of that, I have to create these things about myself in order to be accepted. We're, we're just, we become salesmen of ourselves, <laughs> And man, I'm, when we go on a first date, right, you're like the guy who met the guy in the parking lot and the used car lot. And man, everything you're talking at first is all about the features. It's all about the goodness. It's all about the, the things that you're really going to like, you know, and, uh, and man, we're even, we're even reading into other people at the same time that we're doing this in order to find out what it is that makes them tick in order for me to say the things that they're going to identify with about me that they'll like. Yeah. And so it's this kind of little game that we play. And man, what ends up happening is uh, after the third date, after the fourth date, after the fifth, and people start to get to realize like who they really are. Yeah. And it's either going to match what they're presenting or it's not. Um, and man, this is why, you know, uh, we can get into even marriage and like you, you should only date Christians. You don't know, should only date people that have the same belief systems you do because God calls us to be equally yoked because eventually it's not going to work if what you're doing is fake and and God God's a sense of order. God is not fake and, and all this kind of stuff. So Right. And and I would even go as, go as far as to say this from experience, just like you. That is exhausting, man. Exhausting, man. It's exhausting. And to, to kind of get to the root of it, man, and this is pretty deep, you know what the end game of, of just being fake? Of, and that's what it is. When you're wearing a mask, you're just being fake. You're not being you. You're being what you think people want you to be. And that's insanity right there. You're being what you think they think 
you should be. And you don't even know. I mean, you're just presenting this, right? And You're making it up as you go along. Yeah, and, and I think, man, just the, the end result of that is very lonely, and, and, and you can kind of understand that, but you will never, ever be able to receive love. And that's a pretty harsh statement. Uh, but what I mean by that is y- you won't ever allow, you won't ever be loved. And, and the reason being is because deep down, you'll keep them at a distance. You'll, you'll, someone could say they love you and they could be very close, but you'll keep them at a distance because deep down, you know, they love the mask, not you. Mm-hmm. They love what you've, they, they don't truly know me. They can't love me. And that's a dangerous place to be, man. That, that, that's the, wearing a mask, that's what it ends up being, man. And that could have some devastation. And so we tell guys all the time, take your mask off, man. You came in here, man, you're not going to manipulate us. You can try, man, you might even get one over on us. But, man, this, we were you, bro. We were you. Be real. No time for fakeness anymore. And we ask guys right now, starting today, take your mask off. Let's let's do work, man. Let's do work. Yeah, because if you can't get to the real you, then we can't start talking about things that are going to help you. Uh, You're just faking it, and we're talking about fake stuff, and it's not even really about you. So, like, we're just spinning our wheels here. You're telling me about this thing that happened to you because you know this is who you are and how you dealt with it. And man, it's just really caused a lot of problems in your life. You're trying to get over it when the whole time it's nothing but a lie. You've just created that in order to be this person to say that that thing happened to you. And I'm sitting here trying to help you with that all the while. It's not even real. Yeah. And so we tell people, take your mask off so we can get down to the real you and deal with the real issues. uh, Because otherwise we're just wasting time. Yeah. And, and the scary thing is, is, you live in that life long enough, you start to believe it, like you, you, and you'll start to defend it. And you, that's what the process, that's why we say it's a heart issue with us, man. And, and with the first things that we're teaching, we're talking about taking your mask off. But the first time, whenever I get the first words, when a guy first walks in, and you've heard me do it, when they've come in, their family could even still be sitting there, hey, there's two requirements for you right now, and they're not major. Uh, you, we want you to just relax and all that, but there's only two things that we're going to ask of you from the get-go. Have an open mind and open heart. And what that does is, is saying, hey, any presuppositions, any things that you've all came in here thinking that you've got to do or got to do this, any any of that, be open right now. And it's really about him receiving with openness, but it's also about if you're receiving openly what we're saying, what God's saying, it's an automatic mask puller, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think what's interesting is the guys that have been in a program for 42 days or longer, and a new guy comes in, right? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see how the house reacts to that. And what I've noticed is that the majority of the house, it's it's like they just roll their eyes, like, oh, dude's talking the same game I talked when I first got here. Yeah. And, and then they know it. They know it. And eventually that person realizes, hey, I can just be myself, like everybody else is trying to be. I mean, not everybody. There's some people who come into the program, and it's just they, they defend that identity, that mask that they've created for themselves the entire time they're there. We've got guys, man, and we laugh about this, but it's serious, right? Yeah. Like a guy who come in, comes in, he's lived in the suburbs his whole life, spoon-fed, comes from a wealthy family, and he's just throwing gang signs and wearing bandanas and acting like he's been to prison, and, you know, he's this kind of dude. And, man, it, it only works for some people because when you start 
presenting that in front of people who've actually lived that, actually been through that, man, it's obvious that you're fake. Yeah. And man, when you even when you confront some of these guys about it, they'll still defend it. Oh yeah. no, no, man. I mean, that's you know that really happened to me and stuff. And it's just like, why? Why are you doing this? Um, so it doesn't. I mean, some people really struggle with this, and to the point where man, it's the one thing that keeps them. You talk about not being able to be loved. I think what happens is, is that you've set an expectation mm-hmm. for yourself that says, I can only be loved if. And therefore, even if somebody loves you, because people will love you, because you're, you're, I think you need to clarify, you say you can't be loved. People will love you, but you won't receive, receive it. that love. That's right. Because you'll say, no, you just love me because, and, yeah. and, and if you do love me, you know, like in the back, you said the back of the hand, it's only because of this mask that I keep up. Yeah. And you don't love me, and uh, that's just sad, man. That's yeah. sad, and and we get it from the world, right? We're man. I used to be in advertising, okay, and people don't realize like how many times they're being advertised to in a given day. I think last time I checked, it was 2010, and it was like over, you know, four thousand. It's like close to five thousand times in a single day that the average American is advertised to. Wow. And that's that's you seeing a logo, or you seeing something that's talking to you, or some identifier that says, hey, you can be this, you can be that. If you get this product, if you go with that service, I mean, we're just constantly barraged by it all the time. And we're conditioned, we're conditioned by a capitalist society that says, hey, in order to be accepted by the world, in order to be cool, in order to like, you know, wear this stuff, do that thing, be this, that, you know? Yeah. And so we, we all, from, from an early age, realize, man, I've got to create something because I'm not good enough just yeah. by who I am. Yeah. And man, I want to give two examples of, of man, just like case studies. Uh, you're going to talk about one and we, we, we've talked with him, have permission. He's, uh, given permission to talk about him. But the one I'm talking about just in this situation and, and man, I could just give my own testimony to contest this, but there's, there's a point to where the, the mask is about approval, about I need to be liked. And it becomes an addiction in the aspect that you don't even know you're doing it. And here's the case that I'm talking about. There, there's, man, and over the years, no specific time, I'm not going to tell a name, but there's a gentleman had a decent life. We all, man, everybody has different stories of how they come to addiction. That's not what we're talking about. But this guy could be doing, was doing great, could be doing great. And you gave the example of someone new coming in. And I, I always noticed that he would, he would flock to that person, to the new guy coming in. And we staff would overhear him talking. We call it death talk about how much dope you did, how much bad stuff you did, how much you stole. And no matter how long this guy was in our program, he would flock to the new guy to engage in that conversation. And here's what I think. I think God gave him a heart of compassion for the new guy, like to make him feel comfortable. But it was polluted Right, that that heart, that gift was polluted by himself. That he didn't trust in God enough to just God be sovereign and God be a he be a God be a light through him. So he came, but in his mo his modality was to I'm going to enter into his area to make him comfortable. And by default, the guy was putting on a mask. He'd been there for two months, putting on a mask, talking like he'd been there for two days. And half the stories, like I, he's that kind of kind of that exact example that you were giving of suburbs, you know, 
to do pretty pretty came from a pretty predominant family and he's breaking down with like guys that are coming in talking about <laughs> silly stuff that he's never even been a part of you know and so the mask is dangerous but uh, but it got to an addiction like it didn't even we had a very we had to call him out on it man pull him in a couple times like hey this is a blind spot man and it's very dangerous it's very dangerous mm-hmm. and so that's kind of an example of that and Bruce, get, man, share the example of the of a guy that just was super revelation in his recovery and in, about his life and stuff. Yeah, and I'm not going to be so specific that people are going to know who this guy is. And even if I was, most people would know. But it, I wanted to use a real story, not just fabricate one. And and this guy, his name is John, and uh, he's been in the program for years, like, but always come back. Come in the program, do well. He's a very likable guy. Like his personality was kind of off the charts. Made people laugh. Was very funny, quick to make jokes, and and uh, and was just a very likable guy, you know. And and he would do well in the program, and he would go back out, and then eventually he'd come back, you know. And uh, this happened for years, right? I think he'd been in the program like four or five I times. I think he's been in a lot of different programs for yeah. a long time. And uh, this last time that he came in. Um, and I, I, I just, I just approached him and said to him, and just in humility, you know, not in a, in a judgmental way or anything, but just because I could tell, I could tell what he was doing. Right? He goes by this name, Boston, because that's where he's from, and so that's his nickname. Like everybody calls him Boston. Yo, Boston, you know. And man, he he had to maintain this this mask of Boston. And by the way, we just called him before the before yeah. shooting this, asked his full permission. He said, yes, please, please yeah. use my story. Use my story. And, and let me, let me just, because he's going to listen to this and I want to make sure I, uh, that I'm saying this right, is that there are aspects of his personality that were real, that it is actually who he is. Yeah. And, and they're good qualities, right? But the way he was using them was to, to create this other identity and to be this overall thing called Boston. Yeah. And the problem with that was that he, he never could be real about his feelings or his emotions because it would contrast with this identity that he created for himself as Boston. And so anyway, I just, I approached him one day and I said, Hey man, uh, what's the difference between Boston and John? And he kind of started down this, this whole personality, well, Boston's, and I said, no, 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 man, I'm, I'm not going to be real with you. I'm, not, I'm just asking you, like, what is it about Boston that is different than John? And I could tell, like, he, he looked at me in the eyes and he just, he knew exactly what, like, I had exposed that about him. And mm. I'm telling you, Adam, this guy has, this is the last time that he's been in, he's completely flipped a switch. He he's actually an intern right now, yeah, and probably will be a staff member one day. And his 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 marriage has been, you know, restored, and and I, I, you can just tell the difference this time, yeah. And I think I, I think I know in my heart it has a lot to do with the fact that he was able to see. And man, I asked him. I said, write write it down. Like I want you to write a piece of paper. Everything in Boston is everything that John is. I want you to write all the good qualities of John and, and, and what you think Boston is. And, and, and I want you to see what my point was. I wanted him to see that John's an okay dude. Yeah. That there's some qualities and some personality traits about John that's very accepting. And, and everything on top of that, like all the icing that you put on that, man, it's just not necessary. Yeah. And you, it, it gets to the core of how we think of ourselves 
and and how we can be comfortable, yeah. right, with just being ourselves. Man, I have to say this about myself because I used to do the same thing. Man, to me, I was very proud of my military experience. Man, I was a deadbeat <laughs> troublemaker, man. Everybody in my life, when I was 17, 18 years old, I said, man, you're never going to be anything. You know, you're just uh, you're always in trouble. You're always doing the wrong thing. You, you just never, we've lost hope on you. There's just no help for you. Mm-hmm. you and man, I'll just say, I, I joined the army not because I wanted to. It was because of a situation I created for myself where I worked it out that if I joined the army, man, I would get out of a certain situation and I'm not going to get anybody in trouble for that. But the military was the the only thing in my life that just because I joined, people thought of me different. Mm. Oh, he's a he's a soldier, you know, and I, like, he's just like, it was just weird. Like all of a sudden... Man, my grandfather wanted me to speak at his church. Like, it's like all these people that had lost faith in me just because I was wearing a uniform. Like, all of a sudden, they just thought that I was somebody different. And, man, I, 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 cling, I clung to that. Yeah. And, it, man, just I took a lot of pride in being a soldier. And the fact that I had served the DMZ in Korea, I was in the Gulf War and experienced some really hardship things that most people don't go through that I took pride in the fact that I was able to, to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, what the military teaches you in boot camp especially is, is that you can do what you think you can't do. And they condition you that way by pushing you. Uh, and man, not everybody makes it, but for those who do, they realize like I did, wow, there's more that I'm capable of doing. That I didn't even realize. Yeah. And it gives you this level of confidence so that when you're in battle, when you're, doing things that they're asking you to do that, that most people can't do, you're able to do them. Yeah. And without fear and so And so here's here's my point. I came back from the war and I got out of the army and I went into college. And all the friends that I was making in college, um, I prided myself in just being controversial. Like I was I was an art student, so all my artwork, man, if you were pull my portfolio out from when I was an art student, man, all the stuff that I was doing and people say, oh, we see what you're doing, Bruce. You're venting through your artwork, you know, all your troubles of, of combat and all this kind of stuff. And I'll say there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. But, man, I I purposely created a mask of this veteran combat war soldier and made stuff up yeah. about my experiences in the war that weren't true, man. And I, I convinced myself that the job that I did, man, I was in the infantry, dude. I jumped out of helicopters and stuff, man. Like, I was behind the enemy lines. I, I, I experienced some stuff that most people would never experience. But because I didn't shoot somebody and kill them, man, I had to make this stuff up because all the stuff that were fed in movies and all this kind of thing, I had I convinced myself like, yeah. that just being a soldier, doing the job that I did wasn't good enough. And the things that I did that most people could never do or be able to even do, that that wasn't good enough. I had to add stuff to it to be this kind of soldier that I wanted everybody to believe that I was. And, man, I kept that up for years, man. Yeah. I would say do two decades. Mm. I would tell my children stuff. It just absolutely was not true that I did. Wow. And, and, I, and I, I had to come to a point where it's like, man, that is not me. I did not do that stuff. I, and it's okay that yeah. I didn't do it. Like, the fact that... I did do this and that was real. That's good enough. Like, and I think what God is trying to convince us of is, man, the way I created you and, and half of it, you don't even realize because you've just fabricated so much of it already mm. <laughs> that not only is it good and good enough, 
but it was divinely, purposely made, uniquely by God. Nobody else was created the same way. And and once you start to realize, man, that that is good enough, that, that, that by the hand of God, God says you're perfect, you know, exactly the way I made you. Yeah. And you start assuming that role and you start feeling comfortable in that. And yeah, you're going you're gonna to receive some conflict from the world. People are going to ridicule you for the way you're now acting different and, and this kind of thing. And what happened to that guy? Maybe even get angry at you because you made a bunch of stuff up. And that's going to happen. But what ends up happening is God surrounds you with people who like you for who you really are. Your environments change. The things that you do start changing you start to accept the thing that God created you to be, and you actually are comfortable in it. Yeah. And, and here's, here's something that, that the end of that, you and John or Boston, what clicked was identity. Mm-hmm. And when, you, when you're open to that, and you can, because it, it's kind of a, it's a fear, it's a pride, it's a, I've got to control what's being thought of me. But when, when this clicks, that, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then when this clicks, that he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that our identity is in Christ, it's a game changer, man. Yeah. A game changer. And that's what we teach. And that's that's the, the whole root of the issue about wearing a mask. When you wear a mask... And we're going to end with this and get to the question. But when you wear a mask, what you're saying or what you're believing and what you're thinking was the cross wasn't sufficient. Yeah, Jesus wasn't enough. And and that's the root. And that's, that we lead back to last episode about idolatry and sin and all yeah. that. That leads to bad things, right? And so the question that comes from a, a, a viewer, uh, and it's really on point here, it's how do you get over that feeling of being judged and it affecting us professionally. How do you get over the feeling of being judged and it affecting you professionally? And <laughs> go ahead. I wow. Mean, I, well, I'm assuming that he's talking about an environment of like being at work or your job or something. Yeah, professionally. And, and who you once were, now you're acting different. And people judging you, calling you a hypocrite because you used to be an addict and now you're acting like you're not. And I mean, I'm assuming that it entails like that kind of stuff is what I, I'm guessing. And so for one, I would say, man, people are always going to judge you. Your expectation that you're not going to be judged. I mean, Jesus says, the world hated me, they're going to hate you. <laughs> the fact that you're acting different, uh, that doesn't align with their, who they think you are, I mean, that's just going to happen anyway. It, it actually is proof that you're a child of God, like you're living differently. People notice. I mean, that's a good thing, yeah. not a bad thing. You being ashamed of that is, again, you're, you're still not comfortable and you're trying to put those masks back on. Yeah. Uh, professionally, how does it affect you professionally? Man, this gets to the, the whole security we find in God, right? Yeah. My security doesn't come from people. My security doesn't come from this world or the things of this world. Because if they did, man, I'd be living in fear all the time. I'd be wearing masks all the time. I would try to be this and not that. I would, I would, I would be securing my money. I'd be digging holes in my backyard and, and stocking with food and ammo and, and guns. And, you know, if my security came from the world, then I would constantly be like on guard. But if my security comes from God, that's it. It changes everything, right? It means it doesn't matter what you say or what you think about me. 
it doesn't change the fact of who I know that I am. Yeah. And you can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, man. And even if I was to lose my job because I call myself a Christian or somebody thinks differently now because I'm a threat or whatever, I, man, my security comes from I'm going to get another job because that's God's will. Like I'm not supposed to be here. Like I'm supposed to move to another job. If that's what's happening, God says, man, lift your head up high. Know that you're a child of God and that you're being persecuted just like Jesus was. And that God's got something else in store for you, man. We don't have to be in fear of, I'm going to lose my house. How am I going to pay my mortgage and my bills? You know, it's like, man, there's something else coming. And the fact that I stood with my mask off yeah. and, and, and not being ashamed of the gospel and say, yeah. And if that's going to cause me to lose my job, then so be it. Yeah. And if the question is being asked, being judged and it affecting you professionally because of the addiction that you went through, I mean, I don't think you've ever heard Bruce or I say that you go and shout it to your employer. We definitely say, man, you need to be take your mask off, and there needs to be people that you do life with that know your story and know you. Uh, so it might not be appropriate that you stand up in your cubicle and address the entire office. Guys, I was a drug addict. Now I'm set free. <laughs> but, I mean, there might be someone that God opens the door that you're sharing your story with, and, man, that, that's just an ordained time. Yeah. and. The key word in that is feeling of being judged and it affecting you. If you're telling your story, hopefully you're telling your story like, man, God used addiction like a puppet and saved me and rescued me from myself and all this stuff. And so it's a sense of pride. Why would you be ashamed of going through that? So if people are judging you or yeah, I whatever, mean, you're a light, cares? You're a yeah. light in the darkness. But I see where you're going with this. It could have been different than yeah. what, what I thought of my, uh, the question would have been about. But Again, it's, it's, you're being a light in the darkness. And here's, here's the thing, man. People are going to judge you. Some, somebody out there is going to say, oh, we'll give you the right to act this way. I mean, you, you used to be an addict and all this kind of stuff. And now you're claiming that you're not. And, man, I know what the world says. Once an addict, always an addict. What, whatever anybody's always going to say, yeah. it doesn't matter. And here's the fact. is because of the, the fact that uh, alarming statistics are, man, most people, if they haven't, gone through some sort of addiction themselves, they know somebody who has. Yeah, that's it. In fact, I think it says for every one person in every eight seats in your church has struggled with addiction themselves or that they know somebody in the family or a friendship or something that has suffered from it. So when you're saying this to people, I mean, they may be acting like they have no idea what it's about and that they don't appreciate you and they're judging you for it. Man, they know. Yeah. Deep down, and they know it affects everybody, man. It's not just the stigma of, oh, you lived under a bridge. I get it. Okay, and now you're trying to say that you can you're good for this job. Or it's man, they know it affects everybody. Man. Yeah, and I'll and I'll, I'll close with this feeling of being judged when it comes to addiction. I would say that we need to actually believe what we say we believe. And here it is. I think that you wouldn't feel as judged or you wouldn't have this feeling of it affecting you if you had 25 years of clean time, right? And the reason is because you're we, I'm not saying that the question asker, but we are stuck in this aspect of our worth and our value and um, our sense of being, being back into society is based on how long we've been clean. Well, that's not what we believe. Yeah, that's, Our, per, that's performance-based yeah, stuff. Huh? Yeah. So stop. The, how do you stop be feeling judged, the feeling of being judged? Believe what you say you believe. Your value, your worth, your identity is in Christ. Yeah. Boom. Done deal, baby.
Yeah. That's it. Episode 18. Amen. Life After Addiction. You better believe it. You better believe it. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.